If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 1. We have begun a journey through the Gospel of Luke and the first installment in this journey we're calling the Royals as we look at the family into which the King of Kings was born. Now I have a question for you as we begin. Has God ever spoken to you? Have you ever heard the voice of God in your life? About a year ago, I had a, a preaching engagement in Austin. After I finished preaching, I was talking to people, and I met a young man uh, by the name of Izzy, and he wanted to talk to me because he had interest in going to seminary. He knew uh, that I had a leadership position in the seminary, and so he began talking with me, and in the process of that, he began sharing his testimony. Uh, he grew up, uh, he was born in, in the Middle East, he was born in Iraq, his dad was involved with the Iraqi government. And then as he began to get crossways with Saddam Hussein, he brought his two boys to America and they sought religious asylum here. They were granted that. And so he was raised here in the United States as he was. He was raised in a very strong Muslim family and he was often abused and he didn't like it at all. Whenever he got to about the age of 16, he ran away from his father. He was taken in by a woman that was there in the church, and, and she already had four children. She's a single mom, but she took him in because uh, that's just the kind of person that she is. And for the first time in his life, he was out from the iron fist of Islam, and he started going a little bit wild. So she looked at him, and she said, Izzy, you're going to church with me. So she brought him to uh, her church. Well, Izzy didn't realize this, but the Lord was also working in the heart of a young pastor, and that day whenever he got to church also happened to be the day in which the young pastor was coming to the church in what we call in view of a call. They were going to ask him to be their pastor, pray about that, and vote for him to be their pastor. So the pastor was seeking God's will, and he was seeking that God would show him his will in a very strong way. And this young man, Izzy, comes to church that night as well. And the pastor begins talking to people and asking them to share their favorite verse. And whenever they get to Izzy, he's like, well, all I know is the Quran." Through the course of that service, though, the Lord speaks to Izzy's heart, and he shows him that he desires to save him. And before Izzy left that day, Izzy had become a Christian. The church had called the pastor, and the Lord had used Izzy's salvation to confirm within the pastor's heart that, yes, this was indeed where I want you to be. For a couple of years, the church raised Izzy and helped him and took care of him, and then uh, I, I'm glad to say now that, that he's in seminary. He's studying to be a pastor. But the monumental thing that happened in his life was that the Lord spoke to his heart, revealed to him his love and showed him his need of salvation. Big things were happening in Mary's life. Joseph had popped the question, and so her dad was now busy rounding up the goats for the dowry, and Mary and her mother were planning a wedding. Anybody ever planned a wedding? Not yet? <laughs> well, there was a lot to do. She had to pick the colors. She had to find the venue. She had to interview Paul Reed to be her wedding singer and see if he could do a good job singing a journey song. Uh, her family was happy because uh, Elizabeth, her relative who had wanted children for many years, 
was now pregnant. In fact, she was about six months along. And so these were exciting times in Mary's life. They were big times. It was a new beginning. And then God spoke to her. The story begins in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. The Bible says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, Gabriel, you may remember, was the head angel, and he receives orders from God the Father to go and herald or announce the coming of the king. You say, well, where is this announcement going to take place? Well, it's logical that it might take place in Rome because, after all, Rome is the mightiest of all the cities in the world at that time, so perhaps the angel should go there. Maybe the angel should go to Athens, and there's where all the great thinkers of the world are, men whose philosophies we still study today. Perhaps Athens is where the great announcement should be. Perhaps the angel should go to the Americas and go and announce the coming of the king in Dallas-Fort Worth, because after all, this is the greatest city in the world, is it not? Well, no. Gabriel was sent to a little Jewish province that was under Roman control, a province known as Galilee, to a country town, a rural town called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, if you like country music, uh, might be similar to Montgomery Gentry's My Town. You drive into Nazareth, and there's a rusty tractor sitting at the city entrance. There's a pale blue water tower that looms over the city, And on that water tower, spray-painted the words, I love Jenny, in neon green. Every Saturday, they have full synagogues. They have a diner. They have a barber shop. And people go down to the diner to drink coffee and talk. People go to the barber shop to talk about the town's football team and to catch up on all the gossip. That's where Mary and Joseph lived. That's where the angel was sent. He was sent to a virgin verse 27, engaged to a man by the name of Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was, do you guys know it? Y'all are Bible scholars. And the angel came to her and said, rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, the purpose of the angel's visit was that God had something to say to Mary. When God speaks, we should rejoice because it means that God's favor is upon us. Now, in the Bible, that word God's favor is used quite frequently. It never in Scripture does the favor of God mean that He has determined that you are going to win the lottery. It almost always means when God's favor is upon you that there is something that God has for you to do. When God speaks... It means the Lord is with you. When God speaks, He does not waste words. When God speaks, universes are formed. When God speaks, He has a reason. And so when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you, it means the Lord is with you. It means there's something that the Lord wants to do with your life. It means there's something that the Lord wants to do in your life. You say, well, Ash... How does God speak to us? There's a book by the name of Experiencing God that was written by Henry Blackaby. It gained a lot of notoriety a few years back. And 
one of its main subjects was, how does God speak to us? In biblical times, when you read the Bible, you see God speaking in miraculous ways. God speaks through angels, like here in Luke chapter 1. God speaks through the miracles of Jesus. Did you know the miracles are called signs? Why? Because God was wanting to speak through those signs. God spoke to Daniel in dreams. God spoke uh, to Moses through a burning bush. God even spoke through a talking donkey. You say, well, Ash, does God still speak this way? Well, God can speak however He wants. I mean, He's God. That's kind of part of being God. But now I would say to you that when you hear God's voice in a miraculous way, understand God's not going to contradict Himself. What God has revealed to us in Scripture is not going to be contradicted by the voice of God. He always speaks in ways that are consistent with His Word. And whenever God speaks to you in a miraculous way, uh, make sure it is God that you're hearing and not the TV in the next room, okay? That's always important to make sure it's actually the voice of God. I think the primary way that God speaks to us today is through His Word. We have the Bible, and we believe that the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible for us, and so we can literally read the Word of God, and we can see what is God, who, who's, what's He all about, what is, what's His purpose, what's His ways, and we can understand and know about God through the Bible. There's sometimes that I'm reading the Scripture, and it's like God just speaks to me through the Scripture. God also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. There's something troubling you, and so you go to the Lord in prayer. And God speaks to your heart through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God speaks to us through circumstances. You look at the circumstances of your life, you understand the Holy Spirit has led you to this point, and God's will is revealed to us through His circumstances. I think about uh, right after I graduated seminary, I felt like my next step and what God was leading us to do is uh, go pastor a church. And so I began looking for a church to pastor. Well, there was one church that wanted me to pastor them. And so I was praying about it. Lord, uh, uh, is this the right place? And it's like the Lord spoke to me and said, okay, have I not called you to be a pastor? I said, yes, Lord. Uh, Have you not been preparing to be a pastor? I said, yes, Lord. Is there a church that wants you to be their pastor? Yes, Lord. How many churches want you to be their pastor? One. Okay, maybe that's God's will for my life that I go and follow and pastor that church. Uh, Sometimes you find that God speaks to us through the church itself. In the New Testament, there were examples when God wanted to do something, usually in the advancement of the gospel, where the church would call out the call. And the church would recognize that God's hand was upon people within the congregation, and they would then lay hands upon them and send them out because they were calling out the call God has spoken. Well, in verse 28, the angel had come to Mary, and he said to her, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And then notice how she reacts in verse 29. She was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting could this be? There are two people that whenever they call me on their cell phone, my cell phone, it comes up as unknown. 
And so whenever they call, it's kind of like the bat phone because whenever they call, it seems as though every time I answer, they are somewhere in the world and there's trouble. And I'm supposed to stop whatever I'm doing and, and help them at that time. Well, I can guarantee you this. When God speaks, it's going to interrupt you. When God speaks to you, it's going to change you. It's going to stretch you. It's going to challenge you. And sometimes when God speaks to your soul, it's going to trouble you. Somewhere in our Christian thinking, we have developed this idea that God's will for my life is that everything is just trouble-free and calm. And we have this concept that that if I have trouble or if I have problems and somehow God isn't being God and He's abandoned me and so trouble comes across our path and we're like, God, where are you? I've done all the right things. Why isn't my life trouble-free and, and calm and everything going real smoothly? Well, read the Bible and you'll find that God is in a lot of troubling stuff. God was in Abram uprooting his life and going to a new land. God was in Joseph's betrayal from his own family, being sold into slavery, later accused of rape falsely, thrown into prison, and yet God was in all of that because it was leading Joseph to a leadership position from which the children of Israel would be formed. God was in the ten plagues that rained down on Egypt that eventually were used to liberate millions. God was in Daniel the great prophet, the man who did right all of his life, who was thrown into a lion's den. God was in Rahab, uh, uh, risking her life for God's spies. God was in loving us so much that He would send His Son to be born of a virgin. God was in His Son living a life that you and I could never live. God was in His Son being betrayed. God was in His Son being beaten. God was in His Son being crucified. God was in His Son dying on the cross for your sins and mine. God was in His Son rising from the dead. God was in His Son ascending back to heaven, and God will be in His Son coming again to renew all things for His glory. Most of the time, when God's in something, there's some trouble along the way. Most of the time when God's in something and He's called you to be a part of it, it means that the tranquility which so many of us just long for is going to be interrupted. Mary is scared to death. Here's this angel appearing to her, speaking, and she's like, well, what's God going to call me to do? Is He going to send me to the mission field? I mean, am I going to have to serve the nomads in the Sahara Desert? I mean, what's God about to do? Well, then the angel tells her in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, when the angel told her, do not be afraid, he was not telling her, do not worry, because I'm just here to make everything simple. He was telling her, do not be afraid, because you have found favor with God, meaning what I'm about to call you to do, God will be with you. And you can rest assured that if God is with you, Even though I might call you into difficult circumstances, it's going to be okay. You have no need to fear. The church in which I grew up in, there was a Marine. His name's Gerald Mercer. I love Marines because they they just tell it like it is. They're plain spoken. I I love our, our Marines. Well, Gerald one time told me 
He said, you know, the middle of the battlefield can be the calmest place on earth when God is with you. You can find yourself in the middle of rocket fire, but if you know you're right in the center of God's will, there can be peace in the turmoil. Did you know that God blesses you to be a blessing? What are the areas of your life where you find God's favor? Maybe God's given you His favor through some type of gift. Perhaps uh, you have the gift of teaching. Maybe you have the gift of singing and you're able to enjoy music and singing. Perhaps uh, God has given you a gift of wisdom and you're able to bring discernment and that gift into various situations. Uh, Write this down. Take note of this. God blesses you to be a blessing. When God favors you with a gift of some sort, He desires you to use that gift in such a way that it blesses others. Whenever God favors you with resources, you do well in your career, you advance and God blesses you uh, with material things. God blesses you in some way. God blesses you to be a blessing. Whenever God favors you with opportunity and you have a platform upon which to talk, whenever God gives you experiences and you have perspective to bring to the table, God blesses you to be a blessing. The presence of God's favor in our lives always reveals the presence of opportunity to use His blessing to be a blessing. How has God favored you? Where are the blessings that are in your life? God blesses you to be a blessing. Well, in verse 31, the angel gets down to business. He says, now listen. Anytime, anytime the Bible begins with now listen, uh, that means you, you, better, you better stop what you're doing and listen up real quick, okay, because something important's coming. He tells Mary, uh, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Talk about a change in plans. Whoa! Mary was all stressed out making wedding plans when all along God was planning to use her in an instrumental way to be a part of His eternal plan to renew all things through Christ. Now, it's interesting to me that he reveals here three things about his plan to Mary. He says, number one, you're going to give birth, and you can call his name Jesus. Number two, he's going to be called great. In fact, he will be called the Son of the Most High. And number three, he's going to reign as King of Kings for all eternity. Three details. But notice how much of the story is missing here. God says to Mary, you're going to give birth. He doesn't tell her how she's going to work all this out with Joseph. How is she going to tell her family? He doesn't mention the fact that she's going to uh, have to endure shame and scorn because most people won't believe her. People won't understand. There's no mention there that her son would be rejected, that he would be betrayed, that whenever her son was 33 years old, she would have to stand at a cross and watch him suffer and die at the hands of the Romans. There's no mention of the fact that, yes, people will see him as the son of the Most High, but because of them, because of that, many will despise him. 
There's no mention of the fact that there'll be a resurrection and then an ascension, and that centuries will pass between the first coming and the second coming when he returns to reign as king of kings. When God speaks, he calls you to trust. Your job is to trust in the sovereign Lord. His job is to direct your path. When I was a teenager, the Lord really impressed upon my heart a verse of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It was a passage of Scripture that really helped guide me through my teenage years and through my college years and continues to help me today. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Think about Him in all your ways and He will guide you in the right paths. The King James says, In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. And as I think about that verse, it just simplifies so many of the worries of life. Because as children of the Lord, what we are to do is in everything acknowledge God. I want to acknowledge God. I want to make Him proud. I want to make Him known uh, in in the way in which I I work as a student, uh, in, in how I raise my children, in how I try to use my life, the attitudes that I harbor, the words that I speak. I want to acknowledge God in my marriage, in everything that I do. My role is to acknowledge God, and His role is to direct my paths. Whenever God speaks to me in some way, and He calls me to an area of change, or He calls me to a new adventure, my role is to acknowledge Him. His role is to direct my path. When God speaks to us and calls us to something, what He desires from us is that we will trust Him. Your faith is only as good as the object in which you place your trust. And we place our trust in the sovereign God of the universe who has proved time and time again that He is all-powerful, all-good, and that He loves you and He loves me. Trust God. Let Him direct your paths. Well, in verse 34, Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not been intimate with a man? A little pause here. I'm going to take just a little theological jaunt because sometimes people say that that word virgin Mary just means that she was a young woman, but that God used natural means to bring about the birth of Christ. Uh, Verses 34 and 35 really clear all this up for us. I mean, she spells it out. How can this be? I've not been intimate with a man. And the angel replies to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One one to be born will be called the Son of God. Jesus was born through supernatural means. And then he says to her, And consider your relative Elizabeth. Uh, Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. So Mary has a legitimate question. And we all have questions sometimes. How can this be? How are you going to do this? And God here gives her a specific answer. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon her. But He also gives her a sign. Hey, you remember your relative Elizabeth? For years, she and Zechariah waited. They longed for children. They prayed for children. Eventually, she got to the point where she was past her childbearing years and They began to give up hope, yet God has blessed her 
with a child. And if God can create life within a womb that for so many years was infertile, then God can also create life in Mary's body, though she had not been intimate with a man. You see, Mary did not need all the answers. What she needed was faith in God. And she had faith in the call of God that was upon her. She had faith in the favor of God. And she had faith in the power of God. Verse 37, the angel says to her, For nothing will be impossible with God. And then notice Mary's reaction in verse 38. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. Mary no longer had a calm, quiet life. She no longer had wedding plans at the top of her list. She no longer had her good reputation. But what Mary did have was she had the call of God. She had the favor of God. And she had the power of God upon her. And so she was able to say, I am the Lord's slave. May it be done according to your will. In my mind, the story fast forwards a little bit to that tranquil night when Jesus and the disciples left the upper room. They ventured out beyond the walls of Jerusalem and they went down through the Kidron Valley and up the hillside. And then Jesus came to a fragrant garden known as Gethsemane. When he entered the gate, as he looked behind him, you could see the torches of Fort Antonia flickering in the night. The next day, Jesus would be scourged and beaten there at Antonia. He would be sentenced to death. And his soul was wearisome. His soul was troubled. And he went into that garden and he prayed beneath the olive branches. I see the starlight flickering through the branches as Jesus goes into the garden and he falls face forward and he calls out to his father, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. Take this cup from me. And then there's the prayer of surrender. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The scene repeats itself because he goes to his disciples looking for strength from them and he sees them sleeping and he begins to realize that the source of his strength is not going to be found in others. The source of his strength is going to be found in his God. And So once again, he goes into the garden and he calls out, Abba, Father, all things are possible. Take this cup from me. And then there's the prayer of surrender. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And as that process repeats itself, suddenly Jesus' spirit is strengthened and he goes from this troubled spirit to this courageous spirit. And at the end of the story, he's ready to face the cross because God had spoken to his soul. God had ministered to him and God had filled him with strength and power. And even though he was about to face the cross, God's favor was upon him because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I wonder today, have you ever prayed the prayer of surrender in your own life? Maybe uh, God has spoken to you. Maybe you're like Izzy, the man that I talked about at the beginning of the sermon. Maybe God has revealed to you that He wants to save you.
and God has spoken to your heart and He's calling you to take that first step of faith, that surrender whenever you bow before the cross of Jesus and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness and I place my faith and I place my trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Is that how God is speaking to you today? If that's where you are, I want you to know this. I want to be a help to you. I want to be a pastor to you. I'll be here at the front during the next song. We call that the commitment song. I would love to pray with you, help you with questions that you might have. I'll be here after the service as well. We're also in a church. We're sitting around you. There's a lot of great godly people. And if you have questions about your faith, if you have questions about salvation, there's a lot of people sitting around you that can help you and would be glad to talk with you about what it means to be a believer in Christ. You say, well, Ash, I'm, I'm a believer. Okay, well, let me ask you this question. How, how is God speaking to you today? Where has God been working in your life? What's He been saying to you? How's the Holy Spirit been guiding you? What have you been seeing in the Word of God? Where are those darkness areas where the light of God is shining? When God is speaking to you, He wants from us surrender. I don't know the details of everything that God wants to do in your life through you. I don't even know the details of everything that God wants our church to be a part of, but I do know this. I know my God. And when God speaks to us, He wants from us surrender so that like Mary and Joseph, we're we're able to say, not my will, that yours be done. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and I ask you this question again. How is God speaking to you today? What has He shown you through His Word? What has His Holy Spirit spoken to you? And now here's another question. How will you respond? Will you trust Him? Or will you continue to push away and turn to your own way? Will you follow Him into the unknown? Or will you continue to demand that every question that you have be answered? Will you take the step of fear? Or will you take the step of faith? Will you retreat? Or will you go forward? Trust your Lord. He loves you. He's capable. And He will guide you. Father, I thank you for this dear church. I pray for your hand to be upon it. And Lord, I pray that whenever you speak, we will listen. I pray that whenever you speak, we will surrender. And that we will be willing to follow you into the unknown. Because we rest in your sovereignty, in your goodness. And we want to be a part of something that is beyond calm. We want to be a part of something that is beyond small. We want to be a part of something that is God-sized. And so, Lord, I ask that we might have testimony in our life of your greatness. I ask, Lord, that you might use our life to be a part of your story and that we will be your surrendered servant. In Jesus' name, amen.